Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and the Murtaugh to his rigs, Jake, gives you sports betting tips. I am Professor Sides. You can follow me and find all my picks on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Saturday, March 5th, 2022, and this episode covers today's best college basketball bets. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. That information, along with a graded A, B, or C pick for each of the games not covered in this episode, is available in the Google Sheet linked in the show's description. A picks are the ones I love, B picks are the ones I like, and C picks are the leans. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur, so as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, Jake, this is usually the part of the show where I talk about how the model did yesterday. We are again recording the night before here, so if you're still up late on this Friday evening, here you'll get Saturday's picks the night before. If not, you're watching this on Saturday morning, so we have no idea how Friday has done. Thursday went well for the model, so that was exciting. Um, quick programming update. Next week we will do our normal recorded episode, but we're going to do seven days. We're going to do all seven days next week. Yes, that includes a Sunday episode where we will break down all of the Sunday conference championship games. And now I wanted to take Monday off. I was like, hey, if we're going to do seven episodes, I want to take Monday off. You know, the ink on the bracket won't even be dry yet. But Jake wanted to do a, a bracket episode, and he's talking to doing one if, and there's the catch, if we can get to a thousand YouTube subscribers by the time the bracket's released. So if you aren't already, please hit that subscribe button, share with others, get your friends to sub, even if they don't like sports, you know, get them to sub and turn off notifications, whatever you got to do, right? Y'all have been fantastic. The show has grown at an incredible rate. Y'all are truly amazing. And so if you can help us reach that goal by Selection Sunday, we'll do a special bracket episode. The Monday after the bracket is released. So a little incentive there to help us get to that milestone. Jake, what's one thing we should know before we get into Saturday's slate? So like Saturday, that's the final kind of final day of the regular season. That It's loaded, absolutely loaded. Um, I, I don't know if your wife or significant other, husband, whatever, is trying to get you to do something on Saturday. Don't blow them off, whatever. Tell them I told you so, and that's what you're doing because there's nothing but great basketball on from the time it starts till way late at night. So that's that's what you should be, spend your time doing, and that's what I'm planning on doing. So that's, that's All right. All right, I like it. Yeah, lots of games to talk about. We're going to start us off here early on in the day, 11 a.m. Central Time. Arkansas is playing at Tennessee. I've got an under pick here for you. I've got under 140. The model thinks it should be 138. Both teams have been under my numbers for the season. Both teams are just so good defensively. I think 140 is too much just from an eyeball standpoint. The model agrees. Uh, but I will say, hold on to your hats, people, because you're not going to hear me praise defenses much more for the rest of this episode. Jake, Tennessee is a six-point home favorite. Can they get the job done, and can they get it done by more than six? Yeah, I, I think they do. Arkansas has been flirting with disaster with their last couple games with Kentucky by two and LSU by one. I, th I think they're going to do it because both those are at home. Tennessee is such a – better offensive team at home. It's night and day. Um, they haven't lost in Thompson Bowling all year. Uh, they they can be absolutely nasty defensively, like anywhere, but especially at home. They force almost 20 turnovers a game, which is ridiculous. And the way the pressure guards you have with Chandler and Ziegler can just get in your grill and make it hard to do anything. And the way Josiah Jordan James is playing currently, this Tennessee team at home is deadly. Um, this is going to be the last time, unfortunately, we're able to say that. So it worries me for the rest of the rest of the year, because they don't travel too well. But right now, this is good. This is a big game in, 
in terms of standings because it lets you avoid Auburn with a win. Whoever wins gets to avoid Auburn until the championship, and whoever loses is grabbing that fourth place and see, seeing them early. But the free throw shooting is going to be big here. Um, both teams are hit, hitting them very well. I think Tennessee is shooting closer to 80% at home. They're going to get that. They're going to hit more threes because, I mean, in that previous matchup, they could not have shot any worse. They shot 16% from beyond the arc and made four less than their average. They averaged close to 10, 9.9 to be exact, at home. Like So I think that's going to be vastly different, and that's going to easily make up the points because they scored 48 on the road, and I think they get – much closer to 60, if not just above 60, and get this get this easy cover. Or not easy cover, but it'll be difficult, but I think they'll get it done. Um, uh, it's like J.D. Note was in foul trouble the entire game last time, and I think you'll see a lot of repeat of that with the, how, how Tennessee plays defense. It's going to make it struggle on him. Yeah, and that last game was uh, an easy under. I don't expect this under to be quite so easy as that one was. I think Tennessee will score some more points, but that one was – you had you had tons of points to spare on that one. And so, kind of like you said, if, if Note is in that same foul trouble that he was at last game and Tennessee could hit anything, they should be able to win uh, this one. And like you said, the way they're shooting free throws – uh, helps them get it done. It's interesting. These are two teams. And there's a few others like this that when they match up, it's so interesting because they're so good at home versus the road. And so it's like where the matchup is matters a little bit more. Not to say that home court doesn't matter for all teams, but you know some of those small schools up in the Northeast, uh, you know, short bus rides, you know, smaller crowds. I mean, you can kind of get away with giving maybe a two point home court advantage there. And in some of these situations like this, you know, maybe four is more appropriate. And and so you're talking about a, a difference between a four point swing in some of those games versus, and something like this might be more like an eight point swing between home and road. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting sometimes when, when you get these teams that are so uh, contrasted there with their home and road uh, abilities. Uh, right after that, 1130 AM central time, Davidson is going to travel to Dayton and play the model has an overpick here over 131 thinks it should be closer to 134 and a half to almost a three and a half point difference dayton has been an under team this year but the number is way too low in my opinion davidson has a below average defense but a fantastic offense and so with regards to that i just don't see any way that this number doesn't get up into the 130s um they just don't stop teams very well but goodness can they score jake the question for you can they score enough to get a road win or at least keep it close or does dayton cover the three and a half yeah i, th- I think davidson gets the, i think they get the road win to be honest but i think they'll cover this game i think it'll be a very close game like you said uh, dayton is a defensive team this year there were struggles on offense davidson is an incredible offense and Struggles a little bit on defense. I think they do just enough here with free throw shooting and their three point shooting and all that. And they've got, and it's not just one guy like you see at some of these smaller schools. They are a very balanced team. They've got two or three really good guards. They got a good big guy, so they're really tough to guard. Um, and Dayton has been coming off a heartbreaking loss with the or no, they they, they didn't lose. They won. They won on that buzzer beater uh, inbounds play, but. They've really been playing on the edge here, and I don't, I don't think they've got enough offense to get this one done. Um, they just need to. Davidson's going to put the pressure on them, and they just won't have it. Plus, Davidson really wants this. This gets them the one seed with a win. They lock it up, win the regular season title. If they lose, they've got a chance of dropping to second. Uh, but 
you know, if you want, if you can get it, you want to put it away. Yep, makes a lot of sense there. Uh, moving on to 3 p.m. Central Texas at Kansas. Kansas struggling here of late, lost at TCU, and then in the revenge game at home, uh, didn't cover, didn't sniff the cover. Uh, they're a six and a half point favorite at home against a Longhorn team that we've talked a lot about this season how good they are defensively um, at home but how they struggle a little bit more defensively on the road. So with that in mind, I'm thinking over 137 and a half. The model thinks it should be close to 140. Kansas has been an over team on the season. They have a fantastic offense. And as we saw in that uh, game here uh, recently against TCU, their defense sometimes doesn't show up. And so assuming that holds true, I like this to get into the 140s. Uh, Jake, can Kansas get things right before going to the conference tournament, or does Texas finally get a good road victory in one that I don't think they've had really a good road win all season? It's been kind of missing on their resume. Can they actually go on the road and get something accomplished here? Does Kansas take care of business in Lawrence? I think Kansas takes care of business. This I, Bill Self's not going to let them uh, drop this one. They still have an outside shot at winning winning the Big 12 here with the win and some help from Baylor, but they they are just an incredible offense, and you wouldn't know it looking at the last game. But Texas struggles on the road, like defensively, offensively, they just can't find it. Um, I know Texas won the previous matchup, and it was a rather back and forth game. But Timmy Allen had a great game, scored twenty four. But the next leading scorer was Trey Mitchell, who's no longer with the team. So that that opens up a lot a lot of different things. Like, is anybody going to step up? And I just I don't see it happening on the road with Texas having somebody else step up. I think Abaji gets it going. I think Brown gets it going. And McCormick and Lightfoot, if they have any kind of a decent game, Texas really can't handle that. They don't have the size. They've And Kansas has the athleticism to make Timmy Allen work. I still think he has a good game. But if you can make him just a little bit inefficient, this Texas team kind of falls apart, even at home, because their offense just isn't that good. I think Kansas has got the three shooting, got everything they need to win this by double digits. I think they do it. If they don't, if they don't, we're, we need to start questioning whether this Kansas team can make a run in the tournament. Yeah, we were talking recently about how good Kansas is. Uh, one, one week ago, heading to that Baylor game, we we're talking about you know, hey, why are you sleeping on Kansas? You know, I know we're tired of Kansas because you know, but this team's really good. And then, um, you know, you can kind of excuse the Baylor one, you know. Baylor, you know, revenge game at home, kind of figuring out their new system with kind of, you know, at times going kind of five guards, as you call, you know, what you call so if you call them a, a three or whatever, but I mean, really small lineup, right? And only one big guy that they can use. So you, you can write that one off. Uh, but then those two performances against TCU, and, and maybe TCU is not a great matchup for them. I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to make judgment yet, but kind of like you said, like if, if they don't get it done here, at some point, you can't you can't write these things off, right? Yeah. If, if if they get it done here, maybe you know maybe just TCU's a bad matchup, right? You know, you're not that concerned. Let's see how they do in the tournament, but they need to really write their ship here. Um, I think you're right. I think uh, you know Texas has really struggled on the road. To me, this feels like a game where Texas has that stretch where their offense disappears. Kansas gets a few too many points, and then Texas has to play catch up. They have to play a little faster than they want to play. And that's not gonna that's not their recipe for success. And so I think that's going to get the points up and it's just going to mean they're just be chasing all game. And I just don't think they'll be able to catch as good of an offense as Kansas has. I'm going to be able to catch them. Yeah. I, th I think this is a major game for uh, seeding impact. Like 
if like for for Texas, like if Texas wins, it's a big game for them, bumps them up. Uh, I think if Kansas wins, it doesn't really help them too much, but a loss hurts them. Yeah. Like it, it could be the reason they drop and get in a terrible bracket for a two seed or maybe even to a three seed, depending on what else goes on um, mm-hmm. and what they do in the Big 12 tournament. So it's a very important game in those standards too. Yep, absolutely. Speaking of games that are important for seeding and for other things, right? North Carolina at Duke, 4 p.m. Central Coach K's last home game. A lot has been made about that. I'm sure the players are unaware. They have no idea what's happening. Yeah, you know, the, the fans won't know what's happening. It's uh, uh, no one's no one's talking about this, right? Yeah. Um, the, the total on this one's 153 and a half. I'm taking the over. Uh, it's a large number. The model thinks it should be 155. I don't know if North Carolina can hang in there, but when I think about the two ways this game goes, I think, A, North Carolina hangs in there, and if they do, how are they going to do it? Well, they want to play fast. If North Carolina hangs in, it's because they're going fast, they're scoring, thus this game probably gets in the 160s. If they don't... Given that this is Coach K's last home game, I kind of feel like Duke's just going to keep scoring and try to put 90 up on him. So I think we got a lot of ways this game goes over. Obviously, we think Duke will win. The only question is, can they win by more than 11? Jake, what do you got? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously wearing my Duke stuff, so this is take, take it with a grain of salt. But I, I really think this is a terrible matchup for Carolina, especially with – and I don't think the coach quite understands – like Hubert Davis, I don't think he quite understands his team. He wants to play fast, but that takes their best player out of the game with Baycott, and that just doesn't work well. And especially against a team that's as long and athletic as Duke is, North Carolina's got some shorter guards, and that doesn't work well against Trevor Kills and Wendell Moore and A.J. Griffin. And that that lineup, when they have those three with Mark Williams and Paulo Blanchero, is just a a killer lineup. There's not much anybody can do when those five are playing together because of how long athletic they are. Mark Williams is – been such an incredible surprise this year being able to play defense the way he is in offense he's been really consistent um and K- caleb love and leaky black they don't shoot well enough to keep them in i think what a, my opinion on this game i think duke gets it done in the second half and i think it's mainly a second half for them because i think there's a lot it's going to be hard to get all the extracurricular stuff going on like coach k they've got game day there for two hours doing a whole show we've got I think 170 to 80 X players showing up. There's just going to be a lot of that going on. They might start off a little sluggish and keep North Carolina in it, and I think that spells good for the over because the longer North Carolina is in it, the more points are going up yeah. on the board. Yeah. So I think yeah. I really think this is a Duke second half runs away with it kind of deal, but I think they get it done. Yeah, and you mentioned that's that's the you know anytime you make a play, right? Obviously, you know it's your money, people. You know you can fire away at will. But, but it's never a bad idea to look through how does this bet win, how does this bet lose. The way this bet loses is Duke comes out hot and then slows the game down. If Duke's up, you know, 25 to 7. Yeah, you know, like the first game? At, yeah, yeah. If it plays it like that, they're up like a 25-7 or something at the under-12 timeout. We're going to be really needing North Carolina to come back and come back quickly because that's going to be the, the bad scenario. But any way that North Carolina hangs in there um, – and doesn't get blown out until the end 
is going to be good for the over. Um, my numbers haven't done too well fading Duke, so they they it, it, the numbers kind of like North Carolina here, but I don't know if I trust that very much given how they've struggled with Duke. So, uh, like I said, I think the over is a safer play for my end. Jake, you like Duke to cover that one. Dropping down to the evening time slot, 7.30 Central Time, Boise State at Colorado State. Taking over again, over 133 and a half. I'm a broken record, I know. The model makes this 136 and a half. Both of these have been under teams this year, but I'll point out that Valparaiso has been an over team all season. I took the under on them here on Friday, and that went under. Sometimes the number catches up, and you got to play the other way. So uh, we, we want to... You want to look at the trends, but the reason that I made the model was to help me understand when I think and when the math thinks that the trend is going to continue and when the number has overreacted and when there's been underreactions. And so in this case, um, yes, both teams have been under teams, but I think this number is too low. Colorado State has a pretty good offense, mm -hmm. and I think that is enough to get this game over the total. Jake, can Colorado State win by more than three? Yeah, I think they do. Boise State's not got much to play for here. They've got that first seed locked up. Um, Colorado has something to play for. They are, they can drop to third, maybe even fourth, depending on how tiebreakers work. But it, with a the win, they lock up second. So that's it's an important one to them. They already beat Boise, but they beat them in, in Boise in overtime. And I think it was by about seven or so. Um, Colorado State's 13-1 and one at home. They play very well at home. Boise State really doesn't have a matchup for Roddy, and not that many people do, but he, I think he really gets it going. Some of your lesser players like Stevenson and uh, – I forget the guy's names, but they, they start getting some threes going in. A big guy gets going. I, I really think Colorado State's going to run, run away with this one because I don't know that Boise State's really going to be out there they don't really have much reason to win other than to win the game. Like it's not like they're battling for something. They just really want to get through this one, get to the tournament and hopefully stamp being in. Yep. Yep. And the, the mountain West has been a lot of fun. So I encourage y'all to catch this game. I, the mountain West reminds me of what the, cause the mountain West was down a couple of years ago or last year, remember what, what, what it was. So it kind of reminds me of the Atlantic 10, what that was a few years ago, right? The, the Atlantic 10 a couple of years ago was a fun league four or five teams going to make it that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, any of them could make a deep run, you know, and, and this year the A-10 is kind of down, kind of flipped now. They're not less than that one where I, you know, four or five teams going to make this. And I think any of them can make a run and some surprise some people there. They've got some teams with some specific strengths, uh, efficiency wise, some interesting quirks pace wise that might throw some teams off. So I mean, any of these teams could be very dangerous. None of them are vanilla teams that are just average solid teams that are going to get beat by better teams. They all do something that could spring an upset. So Mountain West is a lot of fun. If you haven't watched much of them, you got a good opportunity here to catch that before the tournament starts. And then we've got the late game, 9 p.m. Uh, Central Time, USC at UCLA. UCLA is a seven-point favorite total of 134.5. Going over again, the model thinks 138 and a half is a better number. The model's 11 and four and all total edges for UCLA this season. This one's an interesting one because I think we know exactly what we're going to get from this total. These two teams play at the exact same pace. Nobody's feeding anybody up. Nobody's slowing anybody down. They both have better offenses and defenses. UCLA's is more extreme. UCLA has a uh, you know a better offense and a better defense than, than USC. Um, hence why they're you know, favored. But in general, I mean, overs have been good lately, other than once we get into these conference tournament games, which, again, that's a, that's coming down now with tournament play being a little bit different. 
I think so can the over is why you came people because I think it's going to start flipping here. Um, it's already started to flip a little bit with some of the, the, the tournament, conference tournament games. Um, so get one last good over in here. Uh, I think both offenses are just too good. And I think this game gets close up into the 140s. Uh, Jake, can UCLA cover seven points at home? Yeah, I think they do. They um, it's a great way to end your night. Should be a good game, good battle. Uh, I think I think USC is a little too mobily dependent, and they've got the wrong mobily for that to still work. Um, UCLA has got four four really good offensive options and a fifth and a sixth that are fairly decent. And I think will show up at home uh, between Jaime Hawkes, Tiger Campbell, and Jules Bernard and. Uh, Oh, Kentucky transfer. I just forgot his name. Um, Juzang, Johnny Juzang. They, they, those, those are a really four deadly combo there. And I don't think USC has anything to really fight against it. Boogie Ellis hasn't been the offensive guy they thought he was going to be when he transferred in from Memphis. And so I, I just don't think they've got enough to like keep this under double digits. I think it'll be close. And then towards the end of the second half, like under that 10-minute mark, UCLA will start stretching it out, and I'll get the 10 to 15 and hang around right in there. All right, that makes sense. And this one's uh, numbers moved around a little bit. I saw 8.5, so it opened 8.5. UCLA is a whole lot uh, more exciting, a whole lot more exciting to back them at 8.5 than at 7. Um, so we talk about being the key number. So I'll just keep, it, keep an eye on that number um, you know, when you're watching this. That number is back up to 8.5. Uh, it's a little bit tougher there you never know how fouls are going to play out if that number keeps dropping you gotta like UCLA even more if it comes down below that because this is definitely a situation where there's no big fouling and you just you want every point in your pocket you never know who's going to hit in this free throws there yeah which takes us to our solo Jake segments we actually had a game this time yesterday uh we talked just about some interesting matchups uh, but today we're back with a game here, another one that I don't really have a great edge on either direction. Uh, I think it should be a fascinating matchup, uh, but one the model doesn't really love. So, Jake, I'm going to let you have this one. You're 15 and 3 and 1 all time in this segment. Again, fantastic record. Hats off to you. Let's see if you can keep that going here. 1 p.m. Central, Kentucky, four and a half point road favorite at Florida. Can they get it done on the road? Yeah, I think they do. This, they've got. Both guards coming back, Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington are coming back. Like they they played the last couple of games, but I think this is the first game they really get back to where they were beforehand. Um, and the guards for Florida are are just not good enough in this one. Um, between Davion Mance and uh, Kellen Grady and everybody and everybody else on that Kentucky team who's just long and athletic, and I don't think Florida's got it. Castleton is really good. He might have a good game. Um, it kind of depends on how the game's being called because he's not very physical, and Sheikway and Toppin can be extremely physical if the refs get, let him get away with it. Uh, so depending on how this one's called, he he will either be non-existent and just bullied out or he'll have a pretty good game, but it really just comes down to the guard play. Um, Kentucky, if Kentucky's threes are going in, there's no chance Florida like uh, stays under double digits for this. But like even if that's not, I, I really don't see them getting in the way of Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington, and it's just going to be. I'm le- this one leans more to me towards a bloodbath, and I don't think Kentucky's getting favored by enough in this one. All right, all right, and that takes us to our overtime A plays for the week seven and seven. We had one play Friday, Eastern Michigan couldn't quite cover for us. They were down eight, like, I think we're down even you know, less than five, five or six late. Yes. 
Al's got away. They took some really bad shots there and couldn't quite cover the big number for us. So looking to get back above 500 here with a bunch of A plays on a Saturday as usual. I got 10 of them for you. One of them that I like more than the other. So I'm going to start off with the other nine. 11.30 a.m. Central Time, Louisiana, plus five and a half versus Texas State. I think this is a toss-up game. Take the point just because in these conference tournament games, as we've kind of seen, you never really know what's going to happen. So I think there's some value there with the points. Yeah, most of these conference tournament games are going to get close. They're not going to be spread out. I, I really like taking the points here. Yeah. Uh, noon Central Time at Fairfield, plus seven and a half at St. Peter's. Regular season game here. I'm calling this the Trust the Process special. I'm one and one in this gimmick here. Uh, on Saturdays, I'm saying trust the process because the model's 0-6 fading St. Peter's. I have not faded them correctly once this year. I'm going to give it one last try on our last regular season Saturday of the season. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's been really tough getting a hold of the St. Peter's team. Uh, as long as Fairfield doesn't turn the ball over like crazy, I think they stay, stay within the number. All right, 1 p.m. Central, North Carolina State, plus 7.5 at Florida State. I'm going back to the well-fading Florida State. They surprised Jake and I uh, this last earlier this week. They beat Notre Dame. I think it's two good showings in a row for them. Florida State's the better team. I'm just not ready to give them that much respect. I think this is a little bit of an overreaction. Again, credit to Florida State with the way they play these last couple games. Um, but I just think the market's overcorrecting, and I don't think they're that much better than NC State. Yeah, they're getting a little healthier, so it'll be interesting to see how the Florida State team, if they get back to where they were at the beginning or if they're still kind of figuring that out, if the guys are 100% or not. Yep, yep, absolutely great point. Also, at 1 p.m. Central, I'm taking Florida International plus 11.5 at Florida Atlantic. It's a lot of points. Florida Atlantic wins. I think they're up 10 late, and we need to foul. Florida Atlantic wins by 10. We cover 11.5. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's probably exactly how that game goes. 2 p.m. Central, Rice, minus 2.5 at UTSA. Hey, Rice got it done for us Thursday. I'm going back to the well. I think Rice can get it done on the road. It's a short number. I think they can cover that. Yeah, Rice got it done, and they, they actually should have won that game. I don't know sure. why they let that go. So I'm, I'm backing them here, too. I like this a lot. All right, 3 p.m. Central, Monmouth, 1.5-point favorite at Ryder. Models five and two backing Monmouth this season. I think they're the much better team. I think they can get us a road win just like Rice does an hour before them. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised this line was as small as it was. Monmouth is a much better team. Been fun backing them. They've been take, been able to ride them to the window quite a bit here. Yep. Also, 3 p.m. Central, I'm taking Seattle. I'm laying 16.5 points against Chicago State. I'm 6-0-1 backing Seattle. The reason this isn't the A-plus play of the day is simply because that's just a big number. Um, we do fade Chicago State a lot. It's 7-6 and six in the year. We did fade Chicago State against Cal Baptist earlier this week. I believe they covered that number by one. So with these big numbers, that's obviously the fear that you have. But Seattle um, has been so good to us. They haven't gotten respect all year. I still don't think the number's caught up. I think they're better than people realize. So I like Seattle to win running away Saturday afternoon here. Yeah, Seattle at home is good. Um, Chicago State's either traveled a crazy amount this week or they've not been home yet, and I don't think that's a good recipe to go into Seattle who shoots the ball like really well at home. I think they cover this one fairly easy. 
Yep. At night, we've got 630 Central. Oregon State plus nine and a half at Washington. We've dogged on Oregon State a little bit this year. They've been a letdown, but you play numbers, not teams, not names, right? And uh, their offense, I think, is good enough to hang in against the mediocre defense. I don't think they win at Washington, but I think if you're giving me nine and a half points, I think there's a lot of ways we win that. There are a couple ways we lose it with late fouls, but I think there's more ways we win this one than lose this one. So I think a lot of value here with nine and a half points. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Washington reacts after beating Oregon. Do they, do they keep playing like they did there, or do they get a little happy and play a little sloppy and let Oregon State stay in it? And it's a good point. Washington's been that up-and-down team all season, right? Every time they you think that they, they're they going to do something good and, and get a little little bit rolling, they disappoint, kind of like Oregon, kind of like half the Pac-12 has been. So it's a little bit unpredictable what's going to happen with some of these Pac-12 teams. You know, like, like you said, can they keep that good play going or, or not? I think it's just a little bit too much respect for them in that spot. And then 8 p.m. Central, Utah Valley plus eight at New Mexico State. I'm calling this the Trust the Process special number two. I've been very mediocre, not very good, fading New Mexico State, faded them a lot. I'm trusting the numbers. I think they're getting too much respect. Again, I like the number at eight. If it gets down to seven, you know, six and a half, I don't like the number there. I just think there's an extra few percentage points of probability that we're gaining here at the number of eight. Hopefully Utah Valley doesn't do a stupid foul late and cost us this one. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they can see see how they handle this New Mexico State offense. They're pretty good at times, but can disappear often also. Yep, and then the A-plus play of the day, all-time, 19-13-1. So been doing pretty well with these lately. 1.30 p.m. Central, I'm taking VMI plus six versus Wofford. We're 9-1 and one backing VMI. We've liked them all year, and they've done pretty well well for us three and one fading Wofford I think there's a lot to like here I think VMI might actually win this game if not I think they can keep it close here um against Wofford yeah this VMI team is underrated um, I mean it's hard to say with teams that are not going to make the tournament no not going to sniff it but the number isn't respecting them enough this Wofford team's been kind of disappointing this year I think they get this one done I think they do send a good chance of winning it but I'm not confident enough to call that yet but i like the plus six yeah i like i like the plus six maybe on that one if you want to put you know a, a tiny bit on the money line just to see not a bad idea but i think the plus six has uh got a lot of a lot of value there in the game that should be a tight one uh in the afternoon and then i will turn it over to you for your buzzer beaters jake yeah i'm, I'm taking missouri over georgia they've got i think they at home they're going to cover the seven fairly easy especially georgia has a has been a terrible team all year Rumors flying around about Tom Green, if he's still going to be there. They've got assistant coaches fighting other employees at the at the place at halftime. I don't. I don't. Is see, that bad? Yeah. I just. I don't. I don't see their head being in it. I think they just want to get out of this season and transfer out and do do whatever they need to do. Wait for the new coach. So I, I think Missouri gets this one done. Um, I like this Western Kentucky team to cover ten and a half versus Marshall. This Western Kentucky team is dangerous. Like they can be very, very good on any, on any given night. And going into this tournament, there's something to, something to watch out for. But if they sneak their way in, this Western Kentucky team is really one to keep an eye on. Yeah, Marshall's been a little bit of a disappointment. I think they've underperformed my numbers on the season by over four points per game, which is yeah. kind of to the end of the distribution. There's not many teams that have underperformed my numbers as much as Marshall has, so something to note there. 
Yeah. And that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder, check out that Google Sheet for picks on all of today's games not covered in this show. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to get a new episode every weekday and Saturdays during the college basketball season dropped right into your feed. Best of luck this weekend. We'll see you Monday. Until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money. <laughs>